There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. the iconic duet between Rosie O'Donnell and Celine Dion for Rosie O'Donnell's first holiday album. (laughs) Thought it was important that we never forget. You know, they say never forget. Never forget that iconic duet, especially at this time of year. Hello and welcome to Everything Iconic with me, Danny Pellegrino. You guys, I'm a glass of wine deep. I'm saying it up front, admitting it, copping to it. I'm about a glass and a half of wine deep, and let me just back up for a second and say that I haven't, I don't really drink much anymore. I kind of gave it up. Over the summertime, I drank maybe twice. I mean, all year I probably drank less than, you know, a couple of handfuls of time. But tonight, I decided to let loose. It's the holiday season. I was cleaning up my apartment, and I found a bottle of wine, like a good bottle of wine that I bought for Thanksgiving that I never had. And so I thought, you know what, why don't I open it and relax with a glass of wine? And it turns out my tolerance is low. <laughs> it's very low. And of course, every time I have wine, it leads me to a YouTube rabbit hole of Rosie O'Donnell videos. And that's where I ended up. And that's how I got to that wonderful Celine Dion video. And you know what? I'm feeling loose. I'm feeling good. I feel like Fergie at the Trevor Project event where she hijacked the mic. <laughs> okay, did you guys see... Fergie at the Trevor Project event. So Fergie Ferg was at this Trevor Project event. Trevor Project is a gay charity, and she was on stage with Army Hammer, and she had a moment. You guys, she had a moment where she was introducing Tom Ford, and she hijacked the microphone to talk about her new album. Her new album, which is not doing well. <laughs> her new album is called The Double Ju- The Double Duchess. Oh my god, you guys, I'm slurring my words. <laughs> I promise I'm not... I'm not drunk. I'm just, I had a glass of wine, a glass and a half. But so Fergie has a new album called The Double Duchess, and she decided to find whatever opportunity she had in front of the microphone to advertise her album. And not only just the album, but the bonus tracks. (laughs) Like she's, she's encouraging people to buy the Target version of her album. So at this Trevor Project event, she hijacks the microphone from Army Hammer, and it is the best. It is the best. I'm going to play it. Let's just... I want to play a little clip for you guys. This is Fergie at the Trevor Project. And it's Army Hammer on stage uh, before she gets up. So just just take a listen. And provide a new perspective of hope. Yes. Right. Excuse me. Ladies and gentlemen, Fergie. No. uh, Hi, Fergie. I'm actually Army Hammer. Thank you. I'm going to win at the Academy Awards. Thanks. So, 
This is unexpected and in typical Tom Ford style. I think he would love that if he was here. They love, they really love you. They do. They really love you. But uh, Tom Ford is here. He's here on this bag. This is not a shameless promotion. I have a lot of shame. Uh, I have a new song called A Little Work, and I have a version that has alternate verses. And so, shamelessly, no, shame, with shame, I promote the Target version. <laughs> okay, you guys, let's break that down. Now, you may think I, I played that out of context or something, but I promise there was no other context. She's literally there to honor Tom Ford, and in the middle of Army Hammer talking, she just walks in front of the microphone and does this whole bit. And, wow. Okay, I mean, isn't that just the best? Fergie has been giving us so many moments this year. I mean, between that and her appearance on Wendy Williams, where Wendy, of course, did not know the songs to uh, Fergie's Glamorous. <laughs> so Fergie appeared on Wendy Williams, and that was, of course, my favorite interview of the year, because that was when Wendy calls Nicole Scherzinger, Nicole Scherzingberger. You guys remember that, right? Let's play it. They were auditioning people to replace you, and one of them was the Nicole Scherzinger. Scherzinger. Yeah. Uh, do you know anything about that? I don't. Okay, so that was the Fergie interview. And if you've never seen the Wendy Williams Fergie interview of 2017, please go back and watch it because it is iconic and it is perfect and it is worth checking out. Gosh, and this Trevor Project appearance by Fergie was the cherry on top of an iconic year for the Double Duchess. <laughs> She's had quite the year because she's taken so much time off. Imagine taking that much time off from the spotlight. She was at the peak of her career 10 years ago, you know, when Fergalicious came out and Glamorous and London Bridge and all that shit. And she took all that time off and she thought she was going to have this humongous comeback. And you guys, she didn't. She didn't. There's a, someone online. Uh, I don't know if any of you follow on Twitter. His name is Bobby's Bobby Caruso. If you follow him on Twitter, it's at Bobby's Byline. But he had this brilliant tweet, and he said, I thought I had a bad year, but Fergie headlined the North Dakota State Fair, got divorced, made an album that debuted at number 19, drunkenly talked about the Target edition of said album at a charity event, and got replaced on New Year's Rockin' Eve by Sierra. <laughs> Which I didn't know. You guys, I didn't know she got replaced on New Year's Rockin' Eve by Sierra, of all people. Sierra, really, like Ryan Seacrest, you know, couldn't handle Fergie and wanted Sierra. I mean, that is, that's a low blow if there ever was one. I mean, I would be, I would be ashamed to be replaced by Sierra in anything, let alone a musical event, the start of the new year. I mean, and Fergie got divorced. She has had a year. So, you know, actually looking back, I'm, I'm proud of her for getting drunk and taking the microphone at the Trevor Project event. You know, stealing that spotlight from Army Hammer. We've given Army Hammer enough. Okay, he's getting so much praise for that Call Me By Your Name. He wasn't that great in it, okay? Let's all cool it. He's had enough spotlight. So, Fergie, you know, take that spotlight, girl. Anyway, so I'm feeling a little Fergie tonight. I'm, I feel like I'm taking on her spirit. She's a part of me now. <laughs> I'm also feeling a little frisky, too, because confession time. I just watched Cruel Intentions. You guys know the movie Cruel Intentions with Ryan Phillippe and Reese Witherspoon? 
and Sarah Michelle Gellar. That movie is so good. And it made me sad because I thought that kind of movie would never be made anymore. Because it was sort of a mid-budget, sexy thriller, and they just don't make movies like that anymore. The Fifty Shades movies are sort of like that. They're like a worse version of that. But we were really lucky. I mean, I feel really lucky that I was a teenager in the late 90s and early 2000s because I feel like I got really good teen movies. I was part of that that teen movie boom. I remember being in like middle school and high school and She's All That and the Scream movies, I Know What You Did Last Summer, Cruel Intentions. All those movies were being released. They all starred Ryan Phillippe, who more movies need to be starring Ryan Phillippe because he's so hot. And that was the teen boom, and I miss those movies, and those movies don't get made anymore. I mean, the only thing teenagers get now are these superhero movies, and that's that's a shame. Because we got Cruel Intentions where there were step-siblings who were trying to fuck each other. I mean, that's a batshit movie plot, and we were lucky enough to get it. And Sarah Michelle Gellar is so good in that movie. And at the time, I remember her, it was like her playing against type. Ah, that movie was good. So I'm feeling frisky because I just watched it. Oh, and by the way, they did a Cruel Intentions TV show like a year ago, last season. They filmed a pilot and there was supposed to be a Cruel Intentions TV show starring Michelle Geller as her character from the Cruel Intentions movie. They filmed it, shot it. Apparently it was great. And we never saw it. NBC never picked it up. And so we never got to see the pilot. And I know some some friends saw the pilot, like some industry friends got to see the pilot and they all said it was great and they never got to show it to me. (laughs) I'm devastated about it. If any of you have the Cruel Intentions pilot, I'd love to watch it. But I heard it's great and it just never got picked up, which is a a tragedy. It's a, a, a true shame. Gosh, I know I'm just ranting about 1999 movies when I should be getting into more topical business. But I can't help it. You know, I'm going to talk about Housewives. I want to talk about Jersey. I want to talk about Vanderpump Rules. But before I do, it's the holidays. And do you guys listen to that podcast, Bitch Sesh? So Bitch Sesh is my favorite podcast. Bitch Sesh is like a Real Housewives podcast. And I used to love it even more. But once I started my own podcast, I was worried. (laughs) This is so stupid. But I was worried that I would listen to Bitch Sesh. And I didn't want to like say anything that they said on Bitch Sesh. Does that make sense? Like, I didn't want to, like, steal their material. So I I don't enjoy it as much as I do, or as much as I did, because I'm worried about copying what they're saying, and I really don't want to do that. Anyway, it's the best. So if if you decide to give up on this podcast, I'd say go listen to Bitch Sesh, because it's the best if you're a Housewives fan. Anyway, so on their podcast recently, they did, like, a, a gift guide. And so I am, look, here I am going, like, I'm sort of stealing something that they did. I'm not proud of it. But I will say that they, it's it's not like a, a wholly original idea, it's just a gift guide. <laughs> oh my god, I, am I drunk? I'm not drunk. But wine hits me quick. It hits me quick. Anyway, so Bitch Sesh did a gift guide where they recommended things. Am I slurring, like, Dorinda? <laughs> I feel like I'm Dorinda from Houses of New York. You guys know when she gets drunk and you can't understand a single word. It's just total gibberish. God, I miss Dorinda. <sighs> I miss Dorinda. Anyway, so I'm going to do sort of my version of a gift guide. I'm also apparently doing my version of Drunk Dorinda because I'm all over the place. It's not going to be super long. Like, I'm going to keep it short, but number one of my gift guide is, of course, my Pottery Barn robe. 
I've talked about it before, and I'm talking about it again. And my robe this week was on The Real Housewives of New Jersey. So if you guys watch The Real Housewives of New Jersey, Marge Sr., who's the mother of Margaret, and Margaret was actually a guest on this podcast. So Margaret's mother was wearing the Pottery Barn robe that I've been raving about for years. So if you're looking for somebody to get someone, get the robe. It's fantastic. It's so cozy. And when that aired, it literally, I mean, it was insane, like, how many messages I got from people, like, Marge is wearing your robe, or I thought of you when I saw Marge, and it's like, Marge is like an 80-year-old woman, like 70 to, she's like 70 to 90. (laughs) She's somewhere in that range. And it's like, everyone saw her in that robe and thought of me. I love that people see a 70 to 90-year-old woman and think of me. It's it's everything I've ever dreamed of. I also want to recommend Kelly Clarkson's new album. It's called Meaning of Life, and it is so fucking good. It's sort of like a, she just, Kelly describes it as like Aretha Franklin's sound in 2017. So it's like an updated version of that, like soul pop music. It's like a a little bit Adele-ish, some modern Aretha. It's like Adele's more upbeat stuff. She's got a couple slow ballads on it, but it's very soulful and her voice sounds so good. Like, it is so, so good. And I feel like people are sleeping on it. I don't hear enough people talking about it. There's a song called Heat on there that I'm addicted to, I'm obsessed with. I can't stop listening to it. I want it to be a single. I don't know that it's going to be. But every, literally every song on it is so good. It's so perfect. So please check it out. Please go listen to it. Please embrace Kelly, because I need Kelly to be around forever. I need, I need those sales to be through the roof. <laughs> I don't want to have a double duchess on our hands. Now, in terms of movies, I want to recommend everyone go see Coco. It's the new Pixar movie. I cried like a fucking baby. I cried so hard. I don't remember the last time I cried that hard in a movie. And I heard it. There was like a sad part, but I, I really thought like, oh, I was it wasn't going to hit me. And throughout the whole movie, I was fine. There was a few points that I teared up a little bit. And I thought those were, I thought like that would be it. You know, like I thought, oh, I teared up a little bit. You know, that's, that's it for me. And then at the end, when I tell you that I was hit with the emotions, I mean, I haven't cried like that since I was in the shower earlier today. (laughs) You know, I normally save that, that type of tear stream for the shower, but I was in the middle of this movie theater just sobbing. And it's towards the end of the movie, and I'm not going to say what happens, but you just need to go see it. It's so beautiful. I mean, you could cry just looking at how beautiful this story is and the animation and everything. So please Take your kids. If you don't have kids, go see it alone. Bring a date. Do whatever you got to do. I mean, it is so worth it. I just bought a $30 cocoa ornament. It's like the little lead boy in it. He sings. I bought an ornament for my tree and it was $30. But you know what? If I learn anything from L'Oreal, it's that I'm worth it. <laughs> oh, my, I've had too much to drink. I've had too much to drink. I'm starting to get my whiskey voice. Do you guys hear my whiskey? I haven't even had whiskey, but I get sort of like a dry, raspy whiskey voice. It's like what Lindsay Lohan sounds like all the time. Her and Dina Lohan just walk around with this voice all the time. And it's it's because they're dried out. That's what happens to me when I drink one glass of wine. I My throat gets dried out, and I get a little bit of a whiskey, uh, like a rasp. Sounds like I smoked a pack of marbles. Mar- Marlboros. How do you say that word? Marlboros. You know what I'm talking about. You know what I'm saying. Okay, now I have a couple of recommendations that are very self-promo-y. So this is a gross portion of the show. <laughs> Please feel free to mute me or fast forward. But 
I'm going to recommend a book. It's a book that I co-wrote. I'm like sort of the ghostwriter co-writer. It's called The Super Carb Diet. It's like a diet book. There's some recipes in it. There's some workouts in it, but it's a diet book. And it's very similar to macro counting. So I don't know if you guys are familiar with macro counting. But so I wrote this book with Bob. So my name's on the cover and, you know, I'm super excited because it's my first uh, big book release or whatever. And it comes out December 26th. So check it out. And also, like, let me just back up. You'll lose weight. Like if you do the diet plan, it's a 90 day diet plan. I promise you'll lose weight. You can't have wine like I've had tonight. (laughs) One more self-promo thing. I have a merch store now, which is crazy. It's Society6. If you go to www.society6.com, is it backslash? Yeah, I think it's backslash Danny Pellegrino. Or just go to society6.com, the number six, and search Danny Pellegrino. You'll see my store, and I teamed up with them and Matt Punk, and he's the graphic designer, and he did all these great designs of some cool stuff, some t-shirts, mugs, all that kind of stuff. And it's really cute stuff. It's like we have some like comeback stuff. We have Divas Live 1998 merch, some really fun stuff. So please go check it out. Matt, the designer, he did all these great designs, and it's super cute stuff. I've ordered everything because I'm obsessed with it. <laughs> like, it's good stuff. If you're looking for a fun gift to get a friend or family member. So those are my gift ideas. And also, by the way, you can never go wrong with a bottle of wine. If you don't know what to get to someone, get them a good bottle of wine. Unless they're an alcoholic, then don't do that. But anyone else, a good bottle of wine is is fantastic. A gift card, love a gift card. I'm of the mindset that you shouldn't just buy gifts to get someone a gift. Like, get them a gift card. Like, if you have to give someone a gift, and don't just go to the fucking store and pick out you know, any goddamn thing. Like, get them a gift card or the book that I ghost wrote. (laughs) Get them Kelly Clarkson's album. An iTunes gift card with a a note that says, download Kelly's album by Meaning of Life on iTunes. I think that's a great gift. Oh, you know what not to get them? Wait, you guys, we need to talk about this. We need to talk about this. I love, I always loved a candle, right? Like, I'm a candle lover. I always was. I love a Bath and Body Works candle. I love a Yankee candle. Not anymore. I can't do it no more. You guys, since we've last talked, I've had a situation, okay? Before the holiday season started, I got the Yankee Candle Advent Calendar. Now, the Yankee Candle Advent Calendar, it's a different candle a day for the entire month of December. So every day, you light a different candle. And they're all holiday scented. They're all fantastic smells. I mean, it's Yankee Candle. You can't go wrong. So on day five, I took out the candle and it was, it was red apple wreath. That was the scent. I put it on my kitchen table. I lit it. And uh, my apartment's small. So my desk, my like office desk is very close to my kitchen table. (laughs) That sounds awful to say. Like I live in a small place, but just FYI, I have central air. (laughs) I'm poor, but I'm not so poor that I don't have central air, if that makes sense. I just want to, I want to like paint a visual picture for you guys. So I have central air, but also I'm living in a one bedroom apartment that uh, the kitchen is attached to the office. And that's what I write on my taxes every year. When I go to my tax lady, I just say kitchen attached to office, but has central air. (laughs) So anyway, my candles on my kitchen table and I'm at my computer desk. I'm answering emails. I'm working. And I had a brown paper bag on my computer desk. So behind me, the candle is lit. Red apple wreath is lit. It's day five. So I take the brown paper bag on my computer desk. I had bought soup. 
it came in, there was soup inside. So I got soup for lunch and then the brown paper bag was, I was eating at my desk and the brown paper bag that the soup container was in, I, I took it out. I threw it over my shoulder. Didn't look backwards. I just threw it, which I re- realize now is trashy. I mean, looking back, hindsight's twenty twenty. Should I have thrown that paper bag directly into the trash? Yes. But I was in the middle of answering an, a very important email. I'm not sure what it was, but I'm certain it was important, or at least I was online shopping. So I should have, I should have went and thrown in the trash. At the very least, I should have turned my head around while I threw it, you know? But I, I don't know. I just, I wasn't thinking. I was acting like garbage. <laughs> And I threw the paper bag over my shoulder. It landed on my kitchen table in the Yankee candle. I, but at the same time, keep keep in mind, I'm faced at the computer screen. Like, my face, when I'm at the computer, I'm staring directly at it. I mean, I was probably on Twitter or something, but my eyes were forward. Eyes forward, tits forward. And I did have the new Kelly Clarkson album playing. Meaning of Life was playing in the background. So as I'm looking at the computer, all of a sudden I see this what I think is a, a graphic. I think this is like a, a 3D computer-generated image, a CGI or something. In my computer, I'm like, what's this pop-up ad? A fire. You know, have you guys seen the Mariah Carey Game of Thrones ads online where it's like she's fighting fire? I thought like, oh, maybe that pop-up came up. No, it turns out I was looking at the reflection in my computer and it was a large open flame. And I'm not talking it was a little, a little flame. It was like, a huge flame, like the entire contents of the kitchen table lit on fire. So it wasn't just the bag. It was this other plastic wrap that was... I'm not going to bore you with the details of what else was on the table, but a bunch of stuff was in flames. (laughs) And I'm not equipped to deal with fire. I'm not. I'm not a firefighter. I did see the movie Ladder 49 with John Travolta, but that was years ago. Anyway, I did what anyone would do, what any gay would do, and I screamed at the top of my lungs. And I press pause on my Kelly Clarkson album that was playing (laughs) because I didn't want to miss the music. That was like my first instinct was hit pause, you know, so I could continue listening later. And then I grabbed the nearest thing, which was like a carafe. I have a K-cup carafe for my coffee to fill up a large thing of coffee. And that was empty on my stove. So I like grabbed it, filled it with water, threw it on the flame. Meanwhile, my fire alarm is going off and it's just saying, there is a fire. There is a fire. You know, like, what the fuck is that about? Most fire alarms, you know, they just beep. I just want to hear a beep. And mine's fucking talking to me, having a conversation, saying, you know, this is a fire. This is a fire. It's like, no shit. Think I can't see that? And it doesn't, like, make you calm. It just freaks you the fuck out. I don't need someone trying to chat with me in the middle of me trying to set out a fire. So the fire alarm's going, this is a fire. This is a fire. I'm trying to get out all these flames. I'm I'm on the edge of my seat, very concerned about my Chip and Joanna, you know, from Fixer Upper, the HGTV show Fixer Upper. I just bought all this new Chip and Joanna merch from the Magnolia Collection at Target. I bought all sorts of stuff. I bought placemats. I bought this Christmas tree in a glass jar. I bought new uh, tea towels. I mean, I bought it all. And it's not cheap. It's not cheap. And that was all on the kitchen table. So I am freaking the fuck out that my Chip and Joanna placemats are going to light up in flames. And I got my fire alarm going off at me. And I don't know what to do. So I finally get the fire out. Uh, News alert. (laughs) Update. The Chip and Joanna merchandise is surprisingly non-flammable. It's non-flammable. So 
Luckily, it made it up. My placemats were unscathed. All my Chip and Joanna stuff was fine. So luckily, we were okay. But I promise, I'm not... Okay, I'm being a little dramatic, but it was a big flame. It was a lot of fire. It wasn't just like a little candle light. It was like a lot of fucking fire. So then afterwards, I go and I rip my fire alarm. I like try to turn it off. And by try to turn it off, I mean I ripped it out of the wall so it would stop talking at me. And my heart is racing at this point. I mean, I am losing it. And then, of course, what the fire alarm goes off or stops going off. But I have a carbon monoxide detector that starts talking to me next. So the carbon monoxide detector is like, there is carbon monoxide. <laughs> there is carbon monoxide in the room. We detect carbon monoxide. And it's like, no shit. Yeah, there was just a fucking fire in here. Like, of course, there's carbon monoxide. You know, like, I open all the windows. I'm trying to get the carbon monoxide out. But... At this point, I don't know what's going on. My lungs are probably shot. I mean, it was a mess. I was scared to death. I was lucky I didn't have to call the fire department. But I was ready to. I almost did. So when the dust settles, the ashes are all cleaned up. I calm down. I go for a run because I was so worked up about it that I was like, okay, I'm going to go for a run. So I went for a run and I go to my favorite spot, Runyon Canyon, which is like a big hill. It's like a bit you go, you basically can run to the top of a mountain in L.A. And it overlooks the city of L.A. It's the most beautiful hiking trail, running trail, whatever. Does the entire hill reek of dog shit? Yes. But the views are outstanding. And there's always hot models there. What's not to love? So I go, and me being the annoying, vain, Instagram-obsessed person that I am, I'm like, okay, I'm gonna do an Instagram story at the top of Runyon Canyon about my Yankee Candle experience. I'm at the top of Runyon Canyon. I go find a quiet spot where no one can see me doing an Instagram story, and I start telling the tale of my near-death experience. (laughs) I tell the survival story of my Yankee Candle advent calendar, Red Apple Reef, and of course, like, I'm, I'm so worked up at this point, and I just thought it'd be a fun story to tell, right? Like, I thought, you know what, I'm just gonna, it was tragic, it was traumatizing, and I thought, you know what, I'm gonna tell the story. So I'm at the top of the hill in my spot. And so behind me, you can see like these beautiful views of LA. So of course, then I post the videos. I finish my run. I get home. I go back to work. And I'm not on my Instagram. Like I just, I put it away. I'm working on this other book project thing. And so I was totally in the zone. Hours later, I go to my Instagram. And people are calling me out and saying that I'm being, I'm getting messages like that I'm being insensitive. I'm getting messages like, are you okay? Is everything okay? And at this point, I have no idea what's going on. I I hadn't been looking at the news. I wasn't on Twitter for a couple hours. Apparently, this is like when all those California wildfires broke out. And so I'm on my Instagram story talking about this traumatic fire event that happened to me. And it was in the video, it's like windy. And so people couldn't really hear exactly what I'm saying. They only heard bits and pieces of me saying, there was a fire, but I'm okay. (laughs) Like... And then meanwhile, like, behind me in the videos, there's, like, smoke everywhere, and there's, like, you know, you could see the city of, of L.A., and, like, you could see the wildfires behind me, but, like, I was totally oblivious to it, and here I am talking about my traumatic fire experience, and then there's literal wildfires going on behind me, and I'm just, like, a big fucking idiot, like, not even self-aware enough to know what's going on so i'm getting half the messages i was receiving were like are you okay like this is so scary like stay safe because they thought that i was going on record to talk about the wildfires and that i was like in the wildfire because they could see smoke behind me and everything 
And then the other half of the people were like, what the fuck is wrong with you? Why are you talking about a candle fire in your apartment <laughs> when people are dying? And I was like, totally. I felt, I felt stupid. But, you know, I was living my truth. And, you know, in retrospect, should I have not told my traumatizing candle story in the middle of the California wildfires? Yes. But who's to know? You know, you live and you learn. So to those of you that were offended by my Yankee Candle Advent Calendar stories of fire in the middle of the California wildfires, I apologize. Fortunately, I'm safe. My nearest surroundings were safe from the wildfires. And you know, if if anything, I hope we can all learn a lesson from this. When you're lighting candles this holiday season, please be careful. Do not let any brown paper bags nearby. You know, just be cautious of your surroundings and don't just light candles willy-nilly. I don't know. I, I thought I thought twice before I lit that day six candle. <laughs> I took a couple days off from that advent calendar because I needed some time to process everything that happened to me. So I just encourage you all to take some time if you have an advent calendar and, you know, don't don't succumb to the pressure of the advent calendar, whatever it is. You know, because I know there's some advent calendars that are chocolate. If you're trying to lose weight, don't feel like you have to do every day because I know advent calendars can be stressful. They can make you feel like you got to do it every day. Like you'll fail if you don't. So don't, don't succumb to that the way that I did with the candles. I would have never lit that day five candle if it wasn't the pressure that was, was coming on to me. Be careful out there. It's the holiday season. Light with caution. What does it sound like? I have vocal fry right now. I feel like I have vocal fry. I don't know how Lindsay Lohan does it. I don't know how she gets through an interview because I feel like my throat is so dry. I'm struggling through this, but you know, I'm going to go get some water and I'm going to take a break. And while I do, I'm going to leave you guys with something beautiful. (laughs) And it's in the form of a voicemail from my aunt, Chris. Now, if you're a regular listener of the podcast, you know, my aunt, Chris had lots of thoughts on the Real Housewives of New Jersey on the episode where I interviewed Margaret Josephs. When aunt Chris sent me a long text message about the Real Housewives of New Jersey, I read it on that episode and a star was born. A star was born because I started to get so many messages, tweets, about my Aunt Chris coming on the show. My Aunt Chris is my mom's very best friend. They've known each other since they were little. We're not technically related, but of course, you know, I grew up with her. She's basically family. And she's the best. She's ballsy. She's outspoken. She's she's great. And while I don't agree fully with her opinions on the Real Housewives of New Jersey, I respect them. So a lot of you have been writing and asking if I could have her on the show, and I'm going to have her on the show. I'm going to try when I'm home. She lives in Ohio, so I'm going to go back to Ohio over the holidays. So while I'm there, I'm going to try to get an interview with her and my mom. But in the meantime, to hold you guys over, I had her call in with her thoughts on the Housewives of New Jersey. So I have her opinions. I just want you guys to take a listen. You know, whether you agree or disagree, I think it's important that all sides of, of, uh, all sides of the stories are heard. So, here's my Aunt Chris's voicemail about the Real Housewives of New Jersey. And these, of course, were her thoughts after the Posh Fashion Show episode, also known as the Piece of Shit Coke Whore Homewrecker Everyday Show. (laughs) It was great to learn what Posh stands for. Teresa said it's Piece of Shit Coke Whore Homewrecker Everyday. So this is her thoughts after that, that Posh Fashion Show. Hey, Danny, it's Aunt Chris. You know, as I watched yesterday's episode, I can't help feeling that Dolores does not have Teresa's back. I can't believe Siggy and Dolores walked in that fashion show after the Kim D debacle. I don't know. I, I, get, I get it was a charity event, but they could have just dropped off a check. I'm glad Teresa confronted Kim D. Even Siggy was the first person to say Teresa wouldn't cheat on Joe. 
Dolores did chime in, but she didn't really have Teresa's back from the get-go. They should. She has a history with her. Can someone tell me why? Dolores got Melissa's face. I think she wants to be the top dog in the show. She looks so desperate. I like how she acts like she doesn't know that she did the wrong thing. You mean to tell me here that Frank and Tanya is Zeus? He thinks, you know, when he says to Siggy and Dolores, oh, think of this from Teresa's point of view. What? This Dolores is about as dumb as a fox with her doe-eyed comment. I didn't think of it like that. Ugh, please. Yes, you did. It will be interesting to see how these gals are all going to go to Italy together with, without some sort of ungodly upheaval. Stay tuned. I don't know. We'll see. All right, Danny. Talk to you later. With Dan Chris. Bye-bye. <laughs> Stay tuned, you guys. That's what Aunt Chris, that was her send-off. Stay tuned. And I, for one, am going to be tuned in. I hope you guys are going to be tuned in. I think we all need to be tuned in to find out what happens on The Real Housewives of New Jersey, and I can't wait. Are you guys watching The New Jersey Housewives? I mean, it is hard to watch all of these. There is tons of great Bravo programming on right now, and it's hard to keep up. I want to get into some of the Bravo programming because there's just a lot going on. I feel like we need to talk about it. First and foremost, we need to talk about Vanderpump Rules. For my money, it's the greatest TV show on air right now. It is delivering, you guys. Oh my god. Oh my. OMFG. <laughs> OMFG, it is delivering. So let's all get back up to speed. Last week in the season premiere, it was revealed that Jax allegedly cheated on Britney with Faith. Uh, and also what's gotten lost in the shuffle is that there was an old lady in bed next to Faith while Jack slept with her. <laughs> so technically, he had a three-way outside of his relationship with Brittany. And he slept with two other women. One of them was over 90 and possibly unconscious, but he still slept with two other women. Okay, I just would like to clear that up because he did sleep with two other women. Anyway, so last week in the premiere... Faith comes out swinging, she wiggled her way back into the cast, and alleged that Jax did this. And last week, he denied it. Now, I thought this was going to be like a season-long mystery, that we wouldn't know whether or not Jax actually slept with Faith, if it was true, if it was not true. And I thought, probably by the end, on the finale, that's when we'll get some answers. Or, you know what? Maybe not even the finale, but the reunion. Boy, was I wrong. Because Vanderpump Rules is, they're just throwing shit at us. They are not slowing down. They're moving through a storyline like a fucking freight train. (laughs) They, like that Kool-Aid man through a wall. They're just running through story like the Kool-Aid man through the wall. As fast as possible. Breaking down barriers. (laughs) Anyway, it is so good. So this week, we come back and we find out that Jax did cheat on Britney. He did. He admitted it. I was... Look, I don't want to say I'm proud of Jax for admitting it, because it's like, that's the lowest fucking standard. We shouldn't hold him to such a low standard. But we do. And he admitted to cheating on Britney. And my heart broke for Britney. My heart broke for her. She moved from Kentucky all the way to L.A. just to be with this guy. And then he cheats on her. And you guys, I don't think he'll stop cheating on her. Right? He's shown that he cheats on everyone in the past. He's done it before. He's he's too old to be changing his ways, I think. Like, he's 38, 39. I don't think, I don't see him changing. He's 38, 39, still bartending, still doing all this stuff. 
whether it's for the show or not, it's still a type of behavior that you shouldn't be doing at that age. And I, uh, I don't know. So my heart breaks for Brittany. She's, she seems so sweet and innocent. And I want her, to, as a viewer, don't you want to like sort of shake her out of it and be like, get away from him. <laughs> like, stay away. Because I heard that they're still together in real life. Like, they got back together. And in the episode this week, she says, in a moment of weakness, she slept with Jax again. Which was, frankly, almost as upsetting as Tom Sandoval's makeup smearing when he was crying in that courtyard with Tom Schwartz. But I digress. We'll get to that later. And it's like, how could you sleep with him after he cheated and you're so mad at him? And he was he's being so gross. He looked, like, really rough this episode. I'm sure they were going through a lot of, like, personal trauma, but... His his skin and everything looked really pretty bad. It looked rough, even for Jax. So I want to shake her and I want to say, go find someone else. She could find such a nicer man, a guy that won't cheat on her. I mean, guys are dogs. God, aren't guys... This, this is the year we've all realized that men are the worst, right? <laughs> men are the worst. This is, 2017 has been the year that we've discovered this. But frankly, Jax has been an awful man for years. But we're just all kind of catching up. And oh, good. did you guys catch um, their dogs? Jax and Brittany have the cutest dogs. And when she, at one point, she was like crying into one of her dogs. And I mean, I was crying. We were all crying, right? I mean, she grabbed one of the dogs from the floor. One of the dogs was hiding underneath the bed when she was fighting with Jax. And she just cried into the dog. And I cried like the first 10 minutes of Up. It was like that, those kind of tears. Like I was watching the first 10 minutes of Up. It was so sad. But did you guys catch the name of the dog? The dog's name was Kingsley. Kingsley, which was also the name of the dog of Kim Richards, the devil dog that she had to send away to a farm, never to be heard from again, that allegedly attacked all of her family members. That's the name of Jackson Brittany's dog. Now, that's not just like a very common name. There has to be some sort of connection. Like either Brittany and Jax were watching the Real Housewives of Beverly Hills, and they saw Kim Richards Kingsley, and they were like, oh, that's a cute name. We need to name it that. But how could you have been watching that dog and think that was a good name? Because that was honestly the devil. Like, Kim Richards' dog was the reincarnated version of the devil. So why would, why would you name it that? Or, God, I don't know. I, need, I think we need answers. If anyone knows, I know some L.A. people listen to this. If anyone knows Jackson Brittany, we got to find out how they named their dog Kingsley. I need those answers. I need to know if it's related to Kim Richards at all. Like, in in general, if the story's at all related to her. You guys, Kim Richards recently followed me on Instagram. (laughs) Should I DM her? Should I DM her and ask? Would she get offended if I was like, hey, did Jax name his dog after your dog? Your old dog? I don't know. Maybe I will. What else? Yeah, Kristen continues to dazzle. (laughs) In the opening of this week's episode, she was drunk and she was confrontational with Jax. And it was lovely. I love my drunk Kristen. I, w- I still wish she was in it a little bit more. And she was doing that thing when, um, so Stasi's back with Patrick, who we've never seen before. This is, I think, the first time we're seeing Patrick. And Kristen went to the apartment before Stasi and Patrick were going on a date. And Kristen did that thing where she was, like, overcompensating for Patrick. It was like, oh, they got back together. And I always feel like Kristen is trying to get into Stasi's good graces after their history and everything. They they had such a checkered past when Kristen slept with Stasi's boyfriend, Jax. Oh, you guys, if you've never watched Vanderpump Rules, like, this just sounds like a mindfuck, doesn't it? <laughs> like, we, they've all slept with each other. I mean, it's really a mindfuck, but 
Anyway, Kristen was doing that thing where she's overcompensating for her relationship with Stassi. And so she was being like overly nice to Patrick. And she kept being like, you guys are so good. You're so hot together. You look so great. And like, she just kept laying it on way too thick. Way too thick. But you know what? I'll take any time I can get with Kristen. With my, with my Dodie. Because <laughs> I love my Dodie. She is good TV. And not just TV. She's good uh, film, apparently. Because did you guys see the commercial that aired during Vanderpump Rules for Pitch Perfect 3. Okay, I'm getting off track a little bit, but there's a commercial for Pitch Perfect 3, the movie, and it's basically like the extras from Pitch Perfect. <laughs> they, couldn't get Anna, they couldn't get Anna Kendrick or Britney Snow, but they got like those other ones with like a few lines in all the movies. Couldn't get any of the leads, but they got a few of the background people. They teamed them up with James Kennedy, Tom Sandoval, Sheena Sheena Shea, or what's, I don't know what Sheena's name is now. (laughs) Sheena, whatever, just Sheena. Like Cher, Madonna, Sheena. Anyway, Sheena and Kristen Doty. So those four did this Pitch Perfect commercial where they're singing that fucking cup song. You know, that Pitch Perfect keeps shoving down our throats. (laughs) Shoving on our eardrums. They started singing that cup song for a commercial, and it is the best promotional video I've ever seen. And it's making me crave a Pitch Perfect 4 starring, uh, you know, James Kennedy and Kristen. And it was weird because I felt like Kristen sort of got the lead in that commercial of the singing. And we've never heard Kristen sing before, right? Like, we've only heard Sheena sing, and I almost feel like they took some of Sheena's singing lines away because it was so bad. <laughs> like, you can't, you can't sing this, Sheena. We're not interested, so let's give these let's give these lines to Kristen. And how weird that it was the four of them. Like, what what kind of pair up was that? Because Kristen used to seriously date Tom Sandoval, and then she cheated on Tom with James Kennedy, and then she dated James Kennedy for a while, and then broke up with James Kennedy. So it's like Kristen had serious relationships with these two guys, and then she's filming a fucking Pitch Perfect three commercial with them. I mean, could you imagine? hanging out with your exes all day to do a Pitch Perfect commercial. I mean, those commercial shoots are, like, all-day-long things. It was like she had to spend the entire day with her two most serious exes, one of which she cheated on with the other. I mean, it's so fucking convoluted, but I love it. And I wish... That's the kind of stuff I wish Bravo would film. I wish Bravo would be on set for this Pitch Perfect 3 commercial, filming it, because you know there was some drama. You know, there was some drama. I mean, I'm sure Sheena Shea was pissed that she wasn't getting as many singing lines as Kristen. But I loved it. I love a Bravo crossover commercial. You know, I like when Bravo puts some money into their commercials. They used to do that with the previews. Do you guys remember the Beverly Hills Housewives uh, commercial where it was like a preview for the upcoming season? And it had that real serious song by Alex Clare. And it was like that all the girls walking in like freezing things like in ice. Like, they were ice sculptures or something. It was like a very high-budget commercial starring Yolanda. (laughs) Ah, I love that sound, don't you? And that's the sound you're going to hear when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell, online, in person, on social media, and beyond. Uh, We use it here at Everything Iconic. Shopify is the best all-in-one commerce platform capable of handling all your business complexity, no matter how big you grow. I think it's fantastic. You're probably thinking, sure, but... 
migrating is going to be a headache, but Shopify's app store has the migration apps you need to migrate all of your products, your orders, your customers, and more uh, from every major e-commerce platform all the way to Shopify. And I always hate when I'm shopping online and I have to re-enter all of my information. Well, Shopify store remembers your shipping address, your payment information. So if you're on the couch and your wallet's on the kitchen counter, you don't have to get up, which is nice. So sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash everything iconic, all lowercase. That's one month for just $1 at shopify.com slash everything iconic. Shopify, S-H-O-P-I-F-Y dot com slash everything iconic. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. And we all carry around different stressors, both big and small. Sometimes the small stressors are the worst for me because I cannot stop thinking about them when I'm trying to sleep or when I'm trying to go about my day. I keep those little things bottled up and it can start to affect me negatively. Now, therapy is a safe space to get those things off of my chest and figure out how to work through all that stuff. And if you've never benefited from therapy, I think it's time you explore. I think anyone can be helped by going to a professional therapist. It's so incredibly helpful to get those coping skills skills and uh, deal with those stressors. So uh, if you're thinking of starting therapy, you can give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be super convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. All you got to do is fill out this quick, brief questionnaire and you get matched with a licensed therapist and you can switch therapists at any time for no additional charge, which I think is so important. Uh, so that way you find someone that you work well with. Now, get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash everything iconic today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash everything iconic. Oh, but it was good. I like when they put a little budget into those things. And this was uh, the Pitch Perfect thing was clearly like some sort of promotional tie-in between the two. And if that's how I got to see my Kristen, then that's how I got to see her. What else happened in Vanderpump Rules? Oh, you guys, one of the best scenes I've ever seen. I hate to be dramatic, but it was the greatest scene I've ever seen in my entire life. (laughs) And it was when Tom Sandoval and Tom Schwartz were drunk during the day. And Tom Schwartz just started crying about his life and about being drunk. I mean, it was such good TV. He was so wasted. He was so wasted. He was just crying into Tom Sandoval's talking about how he needs motivation. And, you know, they're talking about the restaurant they might open. And it was so sad and touching and funny. It was like, that's the thing about Vanderpump Rules. I feel like they give you, there's so much rolled into it. Like you're watching these people and you're like, this is sad. Like, it's very sad that these adult men are having trouble you know, reaching their goals and fulfilling their career goals and and pleasing their girlfriends and wives. And then it's funny because they're drunk and they're they're not able to get out the words quite right. And it's just, there's so much rolled up into it. It's like a Shakespeare. It's like a Shakespeare play, really. And as far as I'm concerned, this scene was Shakespeare at his peak. This, this could have been written by him. And I want to play a little bit of it because it is just so good. So let's just all bask in the glory of this wonderful scene between Tom Schwartz and Tom Sandoval. And to paint a picture, they are at an outdoor bar in the daytime. Oh, and also picture Tom Sandoval's makeup running because he was crying along with Schwartz. And you could tell he just had makeup caked on and it was running all over his face. <laughs> So the bombshell that was dropped between Jax and Brittany, that caused this ripple effect. So Tom Schwartz and Tom Sandoval, they're shook by this news. They are shook. And it sparked something in Tom Schwartz and made him feel insecure, like his life, 
he didn't know where he was going in life. And then Tom Sandoval walks over and he goes to console him. They start talking about their life. And then it morphs into this conversation about their lives and their future. And, you know, these two are thinking about opening a bar together. So this is the end of that conversation. Uh, the end of the end of all this emotion that is just poured out of these two men in the daytime, in the middle of a bar. No, no, I know, my dude. It's like, I've been living in the future for, like, probably the past year. I'm always, like, anticipating all this shit that's going to happen in the future. I'm not... Anyways, man. Yeah. No, no, I'm not that... Dude, I'm just drunk. I can tell you one thing the future is going to hold, and that is that we're going to open up a f***ing bar, and it's going to be amazing. <laughs> and if it's not... <laughs> Do this. You're a f***ing awesome person. I feel very privileged to know you, man. And it goes both ways. I mean, I don't go both ways, but it goes both ways. <laughs> Talk about a journey. I mean, there were laughs, there were cries, they were drunk. I mean, that whole scene, I, if you get a chance, go back and watch the entire scene. I didn't want to play the whole thing, but go back and watch the entire scene because it takes you on a roller coaster. And at the end, you know, we're left with these two people that love each other more probably than they love their significant others. Anyway, I'm so thrilled that Vanderpump Rules is back and that they are delivering. This season is just seemingly jam-packed with shit. I mean, everything is, everything is happening. It's all happening. Like Sheena's tattoo says, it's all happening. <laughs> Sheena's tattoo on her arm. You know, is that almost famous quote? It's just, it's all happening. Oh, I love it. I love it. She, that's Sheena. <laughs> ah, we also have Atlanta going on. I mean, it's Atlanta is, you know, it's going. I'm not as I'm not as overwhelmingly excited about Atlanta as I am about some of the other, as Vanderpump Rules or, or I know a lot of people love Atlanta and I usually do too. But something about it's missing for me this this season. I'm hoping, I'm hoping something will spark my interest a little bit more. But in the meantime, you know, it's going. We're going. I missed Kim Zolciak this week. I like when I like Kim in the mix. I did really love when Kenya had a wedding with a cardboard cutout. <laughs> I did love her marriage to that cardboard cutout. I think that was a pretty fun, fun scene. Okay, now I'm going to move away from Bravo for a couple minutes because I want to talk about something. I want to talk about the Golden Globe nominations. So those came out this week, and I have a lot of thoughts. I have a lot of opinions. And before I get into all of them, first let me say that I think the Golden Globes are complete bullshit. I mean, I don't know if you guys know a lot about the history of the Golden Globes, but they're not like a large organization of people. It's like a very small group of people that come up with these nominations. It's not like the Academy Awards. The Academy Awards are the entire Academy votes on those awards, and the Academy is a much larger organization. The Golden Globes, they are an organization, uh, let me, what are they called? I'm trying to think of oh, the Hollywood Foreign Press Association. So that's who does the Golden Globes. Now, there are about 90 people in that organization versus the Academy, which I looked this up. The Academy is 8,500 roughly members. So there's a huge difference between 8,500 people voting on something and 90. Okay, so 90 really comes down to, oh gosh, a lot of marketing shit. It's a lot of politicking and all that. So let me just start off by saying the Golden Globes are a show. <laughs> okay. Now, will I watch them? Yes. Do I have a lot of opinion on the nominations? Of course. But they're also bullshit. So let's go through these. Now, the Golden Globes separates these by comedy and drama. So for movies, you have the best motion, motion picture 
drama and the best motion picture comedy or musical. So it's two different. So for drama, we have Call Me By Your Name, which I saw last weekend. And look, everyone is raving about this movie, and I don't have anything nice to say, so I'm going to keep my lips shut. Uh, You guys, I saw it a couple days ago, and I know if you're listening to this, you're probably thinking, God, shut up. If you don't like something, just don't say anything at all. But So I'm not going to say anything at all. I'll try not to say anything, but it wasn't for me. But I, I do appreciate that we're getting, like, gay dramas. I just sometimes wish they weren't. Ugh, I don't know. It's like, this is like a big, a decent-sized gay movie. I'm like, I don't want to complain about the gay movies that we do get. It's just sometimes they feel, like, so award, award-thirsty. I don't know. I don't know. And it was beautiful. It was shot beautiful, and there's a lot to like about it, but it just wasn't for me. And I keep in mind, like, I love, you know, like, the Bridget Jones movies. Like, that's the kind of movie I love. <laughs> so... So my tastes are questionable. But anyway, so Call Me By Your Name was nominated. Dunkirk, which I didn't see. The Post with Meryl Streep and Tom Hanks. I really am dying to see that. I haven't seen it yet. The Shape of Water. Haven't seen that yet. Three Billboards Outside Ebbing, Missouri. Haven't seen that. Okay, so we're already... (laughs) We're already not really having a lot of opinions on this, right? Like, I don't... I haven't seen these. All I saw was Call Me By Your Name. And Dunkirk, I won't see because it's a war movie, and I just, I'm not emotionally equipped to handle something like that. My proximity to depression keeps me out of the theaters for that one. I just can't do it. War movies kind of like slip me back into depression, so I know that I can't see it. So I'm sure it's great, but it's not something I'm willing to see for my own mental health. But so that's drama. Now for comedy, these are the musical and comedy Best Picture nominees. The Disaster Artist, Get Out. Ah, Get Out was so good. The Greatest Showman which is that Hugh Jackman, Zac Efron movie. I, Tanya and Lady Bird. Oh, I loved Lady Bird. Did you guys see Lady Bird? Oh my God, I loved it so much. It was uh, Laurie Metcalf. I hope she gets the Academy Award for, for acting in that because she was so good. She's, of course, Aunt Jackie from Roseanne. You don't know who she is. And she's so good in that movie. It's so funny. It's like an interesting coming of age movie. But so what strikes me about all these Best Picture nominees is I don't see Home Again. <laughs> that's the thing that immediately sticks out in my mind you don't see home again but uh, you know awards award season's tough because i feel like it always ends up coming down to these type of movies like they're always these very award thirsty movies i'm not saying a lot of these aren't fantastic and great and worthy i mean a lot of you know they're worthy of these praises but i also just wish there was a little bit more of like populist movies like, Girls Trip. Girls Trip was so fucking funny. Everyone loved it. It got great reviews. So, like, why isn't that nominated for Best Comedy? And Girls Trip was, the, in my mind, the funniest movie of the year. If you're thinking of, like, what did I laugh at the most this year, you're probably going to think of Girls Trip. And it's not to say that these other movies, like, I'm sure The Greatest Showman had a couple laughs. <laughs> I haven't seen it. I'm sure it has some laughs. But is it the funniest movie of the year? I don't know. It just frustrates me. And Tiffany Haddish for Girl Trip, she should have been nominated here. She should. She wasn't nominated for a Golden Globe, but she was so fucking funny in that Girl Trip movie. And you, no one walked out of that movie and didn't completely fall in love with her. I mean, it was a complete like star-making performance. I mean, we all just craved Tiffany Haddish after that movie because she was that good in it. She literally elevated every bit of her material. She was laugh out loud funny. And so it's like so frustrating that she's not nominated for 
an, an award for that. And look, some of the people that were nominated in her place, let's see, that would be supporting actress. So let me find that. Okay, so supporting actress, we got Mary J. Blige for Mudbound. I love Mary J. Blige. <laughs> I saw her in concert a few months ago, maybe more than a few months ago, but I've seen her in concert a couple times, and she is just so good. She puts on a show. She at one point, and when I saw her, she was like laying on stage crying, doing that song Naka or uh, No More Drama. You know, No More Drama. She was like laying on the floor of the stage, singing it like with tears in her eyes, and it was. It was a religious experience. If you get a chance to see Mary J. Blige live. But anyway, I don't know how she was in Mudbound because I didn't see it. I didn't see it. Oh my God, Allison Janney's nominated for I, Tanya, And I support anything that Allison Janney's nominated for. She's so good in everything. Oh, we mentioned Laurie Metcalf. Uh, you know what? See, this is a tough category. So Laurie Metcalf's nominated for Lady Bird. Octavia Spencer's nominated for The Shape of the Water. I love her. So, look, do I wish Tiffany Haddish was on here? Yes. But that's a tough category. That's a tough category of ladies. I mean, there's lots of great ladies. Even in the lead actor actress categories, you know, we have people like Meryl Streep, Jessica Chastain for that Molly's Game movie. I mean, it's, a, it's, a tough, it's a tough field for women this year. I mean, in women, th- those are the only performances I'm interested in. <laughs> I, don't, I don't care about the men anymore. We're done. Men are canceled for this year, just in general. Oh, and speaking of ladies nominated for awards, guess who was nominated for Best Original Song? I'll take a guess. (laughs) Mariah Carey for the movie The Star. She wrote the song The Star for that movie. And she wrote the lyrics and the song, so she's nominated for that, you guys, for Best Original Song. She's coming for that Oscar. She is coming for that Oscar. And you know, at the beginning of the year, she had that New Year's she had that New Year's Eve performance last year. Remember, it was like that disastrous performance, and we all, everyone thought, "Oh, she's done." Guess what? Bitch is now nominated for a Golden Globe. She's coming for that Academy too. I was so excited to see her. That's a tough. That's a tough crowd uh, field for her though, because she's also nominated against that song "Remember Me" from Coco. So that's what Mariah's up against, and then some other songs I've never heard of, but. I hope Mariah wins. I want her I want her to win. And I want I want her to win. I love her, you guys. And she needs she's due for a comeback. So the Golden Globes also does television. So for television, they also separated into drama and comedy. For drama, we have The Crown, which I need to get back into because I started watching the first season. I finished like three fourths of it. And then it got a little slow and boring for me. I'll be honest. I just stopped wanting to watch it. They, those episodes were so fucking long. They were like an hour and 15 minutes sometimes. It's like, I can't. I can't. But I want to get back into it because I heard the second season is a little more soapy in a good way. The second season just came out. So I would like to get back into it. I might hop back in. We'll see. So Game of Thrones is also nominated. I, <laughs> You guys, my taste, it sounds terrible. If you're listening to this, you probably always think like he likes the worst stuff because I don't like Game of Thrones. I tried with that too. I just cannot get into it. Is anyone else out there not able to get into Game of Thrones? I respect it for what it is, but it's not something I'm interested in watching. The Handmaid's Tale, Handmaid's Tale, that was also nominated. I tried with that. It was too dark for me. (laughs) Again, my proximity to depression prevents me from watching things like Handmaid's Tale. Stranger Things, love Stranger Things. A little disappointed by season two, but overall I love Stranger Things. This Is Us, I have problems with This Is Us. I watch it every week, but you know what? I have problems with it. It's a little manipulative, and I get that's the point. Like, they're trying to make us cry each week, but it's like a little bit like, what are, it almost, 
I don't know. It feels like a little masochistic. Like, why am I, why am I putting this on every week to cry at these people? And then at a certain point, it's like, where are the rest of the layers? Because I'm not really laughing at this, laughing with or at this family. I'm not really, you know, there's not much suspense or horror or, or, or any of these other emotions that you tune into a TV show for. So it's literally like you're watching an hour each week where the only thing that they're trying to do is get you to cry. Like, I don't feel like they're trying, the writers are trying to get me to laugh or to sympathize or, I don't know. That's my, whatever. <laughs> I'm shitting on all the things people love. I hate doing that, but you know, it's, I'm living my truth. I'm living in my truth. So for comedy, we have Blackish, which is hilarious. Love it. The Marvelous Mrs. Maisel, which I have not watched yet. That's the show by the Gilmore's Girl, Gilmore Girls creator. And it's on Amazon. I'm going to get into that soon, maybe over Christmas. Uh, Master of None was nominated. Love Master of None. A little disappointed by the second season, but overall I like it. A Smilf. Oh my god, you guys, I'm obsessed with Smilf, but I've only watched... Let me back up for a second. I'm obsessed with the three episodes that I've watched, and I decided I like it so much that I stop myself from watching because I want to be able to binge the rest. So I put it on hold. Rosie O'Donnell has the best fucking gray hair in that show. It's her comeback. Tommy, can you hear me? You guys, this is Rosie's comeback. And it's really good. The um, It's about this young single mother. And her, the father of her baby, is the hottest man ever. He's so hot. So I'm so excited to dig back into Smilf. But the three that I watched, I just, I really loved that much that I was like, okay, I'm stopping myself and I'm gonna binge them. And then Will and Grace is nominated, which Will and Grace is, of course, back. And I love Will and Grace. I was a little disappointed by their holiday episode. I thought it was weird. I like Flash. Did you guys watch the Will and Grace Christmas episode? Did like a weird flashback. It was just kind of weird. I wish I had a better adjective to say about it, but it was just weird. It's frankly, everyone loves Fargo. Feud, Bet and Joan. Oh my God, I loved Feud. I loved it. I thought it was just fantastic. The Sinner, which was also great. Jessica Beale. if you've never watched that, check out The Sinner. And Top of the Lake, China Girl. Never watched it. Never watched that. But that's a crowded field, you guys. There's so much fucking good TV on. Like, how do we keep up? Oh my God. But you know what? You know what I don't see on these uh, Golden Globe lists of best shows. Uh, it's an egregious snub, and it's for The Real Housewives of New York. Why hasn't that been nominated? That was certainly the best drama and best comedy. I would have put it in both fields. I and mean, I, I don't know why realities look down on for these, because I'll be honest. Some of the drama on The Houses of Atlanta last season. Do you remember all the Candy Phaedra? rape stuff. I mean, that was some of the best drama on TV ever. It was so good, that four-part reunion. It's like, it's that kind of stuff is never nominated and so frustrating because it's like, we got all these shows like fucking Top of the Lake, Swan River or whatever. That's nominated, but we never get a nom for Countess Loanne. Where's Sheena's nomination? Kristen Doty certainly gave a great performance in the last episode of Vanderpump Rules. Where's her nom? I hate that they're not recognized by their peers. They're looked down on. It's a shame. Just because they don't have central air doesn't mean they shouldn't be nominated for Golden Globes. I suppose they just haven't gotten to it because there's a lot. There's a lot of shit to see, and I'm busy watching so much fucking Bravo. <laughs> I'm swearing so much today. I'm in like a saucy holiday mood. You know, when do you guys ever get in a saucy, saucy mood where you just want to say the F word a lot? And that's how kind of how I feel. Too many uh, snowball cookies. I'm just losing it. The sugar is getting to me. I sound like such an old lady. Okay, but you know when you have, like, one drink, and then you feel drunk for five minutes, and then you come down from it, and you're hungover already? That's what's happening with me tonight. 
you guys are going through the whole cycle with me. Like, of drunk, sober, and then hangover. I mean, that's where we're at. That's where we're at. But I'm trying to remain topical. I wanted to talk about that Keaton kid, too. I'm not going to really get into that, but have you guys been following this Keaton drama? Because I'm sort of obsessed with it. So this boy was bullied at school, which is terrible. And it's disgusting to me that kids... Kids can be so fucking cruel, right? Like, ugh, kids can be so cruel. And we all, we all know. I mean, I'm sure everyone out there has had some sort of experience. Even, I think, even if you are the person that did the bullying in, in grade school or high school or middle school, I think even those people have had experiences where they were bullied. And it's not acceptable. And I just hope people will teach their kids. And I actually said this on Twitter, but if you have nieces or nephews or cousins or any young kids in your life, Try to tell them and teach them to be nicer to their peers and other kids at school because they don't know. And sometimes I think parents are so busy teaching them all sorts of other lessons that maybe that gets lost in the shuffle of, you know, you don't make fun of the way someone looks and you just accept people for that look different or sound different or or act a little different or come from different backgrounds. So if you're an aunt or uncle or someone who's going into these kids' lives for the holidays or whenever, try to teach them that or tell them that or, you know, in a fun way, try to make it accessible to young kids because I don't think I don't think enough kids really take that into consideration. And I do think parents get distracted. Like, they're busy teaching them how to, you know, read and write and learn and all that kind of stuff that they maybe don't, maybe forget to, teach kids to be accepting of others. But anyway, so this Keaton kid was bullied at school by these asshole kids, because kids can be assholes. And Keaton's mom videoed him in the car, and, you know, she's prompting him with questions. She's saying, you know, what happened, Keaton? Like, or I don't even know if she says the name, but she's like, what happened? And the, this poor boy, is, he's through tears, he's saying what the kids did to him. They made fun of his nose. And he's and he gives a great message at the end of it. He's saying, like, just, oh, you know, hopefully it'll get better later. And, he, he you know, he's, it's very inspirational and sad all at the same time. But the whole time this mom is prompting, like, what did they do to you? What ha-? You know, she's asking him questions, which to me feels a little gross right off the bat. Because it's like, why are you asking him all this and videoing it? So, you know, I'm trying to get in the mind of it. Like, what what kind of person is going to be, what kind of parent is interviewing their kid about this instead of just hugging him and holding him and telling him it'll be okay and trying to be there for him? Like, what kind of parent is doing that? And then I thought maybe she just wants, maybe she really did want to put this out online so that she could, it could be a teachable moment for everyone. And yes, it was, yes, she was kind of ignoring her son Yes, she was putting up a barrier, a wall with her son. So she was filming it so she couldn't be there to hug and to really empathize as much as she would have if she wasn't filming it. But I thought maybe that was that was the point, you know, so that she could put this out into the world and everyone could grab hold of this lesson of Keaton and his experience. Uh, But you know what? We're all fucking wrong. Because then she started a GoFundMe page. (laughs) There was a GoFundMe. You know, GoFundMe is where you collect money. So she was collecting money for what? What was she collecting money for? Like, kid, do does anyone know? Like, if bullied kids shouldn't just get money, you guys, it's tough. And then there was also these other things people found where she was being like racist. There were like racist remarks allegedly that she had posted on her social media and stuff. It was all just so upsetting. So it was like Keaton's rise and fall was quicker than Iggy Azalea and Robin Thicke combined. I mean, I thought they had the quickest rise and fall in the industry. No, Keaton did. <laughs> because 
everyone was embracing Keaton. There were like all the celebrities, every celebrity, the Marvel team, they were like telling Keaton to come on board to the movie and like they were writing him into the Avengers, you know, all that shit. He had a scene set up with Ant-Man, you know, I'm sure he was booked on Ellen. So all these people were rallying behind Keaton and then to come to find out the mom's a monster, she's collecting money for stuff. And, you know, everyone turned on Keaton. That poor Keaton, as if he hasn't been through enough. Like, that poor Keaton has been through enough, and now, you know, the mom is making it worse for him. Because now he's going to get bullied about that whole situation. And that's the that's the tragedy, tragedy about this all. Is like, that poor kid was already going through a rough time at school. And he put up with that. And instead of just his mom being there for him, she tried to make it into, like, a a cash grab or an internet fame thing. or I don't even know exactly what it was. And look, maybe eventually she'll come out and we'll find out there's more to this story and and she wasn't a, or isn't a monster. But as of right now, it looks like she's a bit of a monster. And I just feel bad for Keaton. Like, he, he's a poor kid. Like, he, now this is going to be too much attention. And if those kids were already assholes before, I feel like now they're going to be even worse because they're going to say, oh, you're, you know, <sighs> I don't know. I don't know. I feel bad for Keaton. Anyway, I, look, you guys, I got to wrap this up because I'm getting that vocal fry. Can you hear my voice? I'm, like, losing my voice. I need to stop talking. Uh, I need to stop talking. I shouldn't say I need to stop talking while I'm in recording my podcast, but here we are. Anyway, so before I let you guys go, I want to remind you, go to society6.com slash Danny Pellegrino. Check it out. It's, it's, it's some fun stuff. we got comeback stuff, Divas Live 1998 merch. What else? If you can, go rate and review this on iTunes. It really helps me out a lot. I love you. Uh, let me know what you guys think of this podcast, this episode. I love you guys, and yeah, bye. Oh, and you guys, one more thing. Everyone's been reaching out about that movie, The Christmas Prince, on Netflix. It's like a Netflix holiday original movie. It's totally in the same vein as Hallmark and Lifetime and those movies, and it's great. I love seeing Netflix get in that game. Like, I'm really excited about it. And they have a new one coming out December 15th called Christmas Inheritance with Jake Lacey, who's such a stud. Anyway, let's all watch it and talk about it. I'm going to be watching it. (laughs) You don't have to watch it. But did you guys see Christmas Prince? Oh my god, I just love that they're making these. I love that Netflix is going all in. And I hope they, you know, give us some of those diverse ones, because I talked about previously on the podcast, like, getting some diverse holiday movies, so it'd be great if Netflix could do that. Get some gays, little gay romantic holiday comedy. Anyway, watch it. Let's all let's all watch it, embrace it, love it. Okay, bye. <laughs> should we end with some more Rosie and Celine Christmas? I think we should. Let's do it. So kind of classic. I love decorating the house and getting furniture, but sometimes it could be overwhelming to design a space. And so luckily I'm here to tell you about a company called Cozy. Now Cozy is fantastic, a North American company that thoughtfully designs furniture made for modern living. Now Cozy strives to provide the best furniture shopping experience with elegant, super high quality products, plus fast delivery and easy assembly, which is really important to me because I do not like putting together furniture. So the easier, the better for me. Now Cozy offers beautiful, customizable sofas and sectionals that are made to adapt in time. This means customers can add seats to the sofas over time. Maybe if you're extending your family, you might want more space on the couch. Cozy also offers a great range of coffee tables, washable rugs, wall shelving credenzas, TV stands, and accessories. So much. It's thoughtfully designed furniture made 
for modern living. There's an outdoor sofa and tables collection that is fantastic. It's called the Mistral. So you can choose the perfect sofa configuration for your outdoor setup. Uh, Cozy also opened its first retail space on Queen Street in Toronto to push the experience to the next level and allow customers to engage physically with the products. So transform your living space today with Cozy. Visit Cozy.com, spelled C-O-Z-E-Y, to start customizing your furniture today. Again, that's Cozy, C-O-Z-E-Y.com. Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this show ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.